Uh, this morning, we're going to be in two passages of Scripture. We're going to be right there in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And then we're going to be kind of right there in the middle of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 9. So if you want to go ahead and mark your spots in your Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 9. I want to start off by asking you a question. What are some of the, what are some of your favorite things about Christmas? What are some of your favorite things? How many of you like the songs of Christmas, right? Hey, listen, I've got a playlist on my, on my phone, on my computer, and uh, I started picking out my favorite songs, and I started adding them, and I just kept on adding. So this morning before I came over, I was like, I wonder how many, I wonder how many Christmas songs I pick. My Christmas playlist is six hours and 42 minutes long. And I don't drive anywhere that far right now to listen to all of them. Uh, I love the Christmas music, the Christmas songs. Uh, how many of you love the Christmas decorations? Anybody? Right? Um, I remember back in October, I, I went into Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby and I, we're on the same page. Because they already start putting Christmas stuff out. And I remember walking through there and taking pictures and sending texts to Marty, and she said, don't buy anything else. Don't buy anything else. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm just texting you pictures, but she knows me. She knows me. I had to get out of Hobby Lobby real fast because I wanted to buy stuff. I love Christmas decorations. Um, how many of you love Christmas food? Anybody? Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and how many of you, you abide by the same rule I do? At Christmas, the calories don't count. Anybody? Yeah the, yeah, the calories don't count at Christmas. Um, I love Christmas food. My, my mom was making some cookies the other day for the festival tonight, and she sent me a picture of all those sugar cookies she was making for the kids tonight. And I was thinking, man, I probably just need to go over there and taste test about 10 of those. And I, I, I didn't. I knew I'd get in trouble if I went. So there's so many things that I love about Christmas. And listen, all of those things are good things. They, they really are. But probably one of my favorite things about Christmas are the Christmas lights. I, I love the lights. I love the lights on the trees. I love the lights on the houses at night. Uh, one of the first things that I do at my house is I pull out the Christmas lights and I start lighting up my yard, lighting up my driveway. And uh, it's just something about those lights, right? The lights of Christmas that really, um, that really light me up, <laughs> that really get me excited. And that's what I want to talk about over these next few weeks. I want to talk about the light of Christmas. Not the lights of Christmas, but the light of Christmas. I want to talk about His wonderful light. The light of God that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. You see, I believe there would be no Christmas without Christ. That's just the way it is. Look, we can throw parties and we can throw celebrations all year long. But what makes Christmas Christmas is Christ, and that's it. Uh, there would be no Christmas without Christ, and I'm going to tell you something else. When I think about light, there would be no light without Christ. Did you know that? There would be no light without Christ because Jesus is the wonderful light of God. And that's what I want you to see, not just today, but over these next few weeks as we look at God's Word, I want you to see the wonderful light of Jesus Christ. He is God's wonderful light given to us. Now, I'm going to start right here 
in Genesis chapter 1. And I don't know how many of you think of Genesis chapter 1 as part of the Christmas story. Uh, For a long time, I didn't really go to Genesis chapter 1 when I wanted to read the Christmas story. I went to the book of Luke, or I went to the book of Matthew, I went to the book of John. But, but I love this. I, I've, begun to, I've begun to understand now that, that Genesis chapter 1 is really the beginning of the Christmas story. I want you to look at it with me. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Look at verses 3 and 4. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. Isn't it amazing that from the very beginning of our Bible, from the very beginning of creation, that God's light was there? I I love this because... The light is God's presence. Think about that for me. Uh, Just a moment. The light is God's presence, shared to the earth, shared upon the earth, and it is good. Did you notice that the first time in the Bible the word good is used? What is it used in reference to? Light. Think about that for just a minute. We, we can read all the way through the creation story and we see that word good. God created good. God created good. God created good. But did you recognize that the very first time the word good is used, it is in reference to God's light? God's light that he shared upon the earth? This is incredible. And I want to tell you something right now. God is not just a light. God is the light. Do you understand that there would be no light In this world, if God had not spoken it, if God had not shared it, there would be no light. You and I would be in darkness right now if God did not share His light upon the earth. I love what Dr. William Mount says in his expository dictionary. Listen to what William Mount says. He says, light is dependent upon God and it has come into our existence only because God spoke it. Light is ultimately a divine quality. It is a part of who God is. Dr. Meltz goes on to say this, Darkness is generally associated in the Scriptures with evil. But God promises to us to shine His light into our darkness and to turn our darkness into light. I love that. That's what Dr. William Mount says. Dr. David Jeremiah goes on and he explains it this way. He says, the calling for light is, in a sense, symbolic of the grace of God and the presence of God in this world. The rest of the Bible may be viewed as an extension of God bringing His light into the darkness. Don't you love that? Dr. Jeremiah says, when you start in Genesis chapter 1, And right off the bat, you see that it is light, and it is good, and it is God's. From that point on, every chapter of every book of the Bible is about God bringing His light into existence for you and me on this earth. It's about God's light. Maybe that's why John tells us, and I I don't have this on the screen, and you don't have to turn there, but just listen. 
I love the letters of John. Uh, I believe that's why John tells us this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. The very first thing John, the beloved disciple, says is this. God is light. Verse 5 starts out, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Just before that, John says in verse 2, the life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and he has appeared to us. Listen, John is talking about God's light to us. He's talking about God's life coming to us in the form of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus is the wonderful light of God shared to you and me, shared for you and me. God, His presence with us, lighting up the darkness, transforming the darkness. And so, right here in Genesis chapter 1, we find out who God is. He speaks light into existence because He is light. And that light is life. That life is Jesus. Jesus is the wonderful light and life of God to you and to me. That's amazing, right? The Christmas story begins in Genesis chapter 1. The prophets, the prophets were sent by God and called by God to preach the good news, to share His word to people. And one of the greatest prophets in the Bible is the prophet Isaiah. You're already there. I want you to look at this prophecy with me. Isaiah chapter 9. Because he's going to talk about that light as well. Isaiah chapter 9, look at it with me, the first five verses. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Look at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Don't you love that? A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Think about this with me for just a moment. God has shared His light upon the earth. He spoke His light at the very beginning Upon the earth, and he said, It is good. Why did he shine his light? Because there was darkness on the earth. And as Dr. Mount says in his commentary, darkness in the Bible, when you read the scriptures and you see the word dark or the words darkness and dark, it, it references evil. And so now we see these words once again 
from the prophet Isaiah, light and darkness. And and here's what I want you to see. The gloom and the distress. Did you see that in verse 1? The gloom and distress were results of the people walking in darkness. Gloom and distress were results of people walking in darkness. So many people today hurting. So many people today broken. So much chaos in our world. So much chaos and destruction in our lives. Do you want to know what the cause of that is? It's one word, and we're all guilty. Sin. The hurt and the pain and the chaos and the destruction that we see in our world today, in our homes today, in our schools, even in our churches today, it is the result of sin. Isaiah says right here, these people who were walking in gloom and distress, it was because they were walking in darkness. Now he references the land of Zebulun. He talks about the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. These were parts of the northern kingdom of Israel during the time of Isaiah. And during the time of Isaiah, the Assyrians had come in and they had ransacked Northern Israel. I mean, they were just tearing it up. They were the controlling party, the controlling nation uh, at that time. And the people of Zebulun and Naphtali, the people of Israel, they had sinned greatly before Almighty God. They had continued walking in their sin, the darkness of their sin. And their walking in sin and that darkness had created a gloom and a distress among the people. The darkness they walked in was sinfulness, the captivity of sinfulness, the separation of God because of their sins. The theologians tell us that there in that region, the region of Naphtali and Zebulun, there was a place called Galilee. Galilee was one of those places, one of those lands that was suffering at the hands of the Assyrians. As a matter of fact, Galilee was, was being humiliated among the nations. But God. Amen? But God. Don't you love this? God made a promise right here through his prophet Isaiah. God promised a great light. There's only one thing that can change darkness. Do you know what it is? Light. And there's only one person who can change darkness to light, who can penetrate darkness with his light, and that is God. And the Bible says right here that God promised a great light, and the results of that great light, it would bring the people joy, and it would bring victory to them. Don't you love that? That's what God's light does. Now listen to me again. What does darkness bring the people? Gloom and distress. How many of you got a little gloom and some distress in your life right now? Let me tell you what you need. You need the light of God. Because it's the light of God that will change that gloom and that distress, that darkness, to light that brings you joy and brings you victory. Could anybody use a little victory in your life right now? Maybe maybe in your home because Satan is coming in and he's tearing you to shreds. Maybe in your workplace. Maybe in your school. Maybe in your community. Hey, maybe in the church. I'm going to tell you, it ain't your pastor that will save you. 
It ain't your Sunday school teacher that'll save you. It ain't this ministry or that ministry or the church that'll save you. It's God who saves. It's God who brings light. It's God who gives light. And that light results in joy and victory. Listen, God's presence would be with them, not because they earned it, not because they deserved it. Again, go back and look at Israel during this time. They were sinful. They had rebelled and rejected God. They had turned against God. And they were facing the consequences on earth of their sinful choices. Gloom and distress. They were walking in darkness. But did God turn his back on them like they turned theirs on him? Nope. When God makes a promise, what does he do? He keeps it. And God said, I'm going to make you another promise. I'm going to give you a great light. As a matter of fact, a matter of fact, a light is dawning even now. Now they didn't they didn't earn this light. They didn't deserve this light. They got this light because God is God. And he had a great purpose and a great plan for his people. As Matthew tells us in his gospel, the kingdom of heaven was coming near. That's how Matthew says in his gospel, "Oh, the kingdom of heaven is coming near." And that kingdom of heaven is coming near through one man, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the great light of God. He is the wonderful light of God given to us. Isaiah, in these first five verses of chapter 9, he mentions the defeat of Midian. Now, if you study the Bible and you know the history of the Bible, you know what he's talking about. Midian, what was a, was a, Incredible land and incredible people. Matter of fact, they had a vicious and mighty army. But Midian was defeated through the hands of God's servant. Do you remember who he was, what his name was? Gideon. Oh, yeah. Do you remember what happened? God told Gideon, hey, let's trim your army down a little bit. Yeah, you don't need all of those people. Let's trim it down. So Gideon begins to trim it down, and God says, no, trim it down a little bit more. And eventually, do you remember how many... Fighting men, Gideon trimmed his army down to 300. 300. God said, take your army down to 300 and go fight. And in Judges chapter 7, we see that it was the plan of God and the power of God that saved Israel. So if you want to look at that story just a little bit more, go to Judges chapter 7 and see what God did through Gideon and what he did to Midian. God saved his people and he gave them victory in the midst of great humiliation and great, great distress and great gloom. They were being whipped. God said, you're my people and I'm going to show you what I can do. And instead of man getting all the glory, God got the glory. God got the glory because God is light. So in that day, it was the Midianites who were the oppressors. But now it is sin. Sin is the oppressor, and it is holding people in captivity. It is burdening the people, laying on them, sitting on them, if you will. But God, right? But God, through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, the yoke that burdens them, sinfulness, will be broken. That is God's promise. Jesus is the great light of God who comes to save his people. You're going to hear me say that over and over again these next few weeks. Jesus is the light of God who has come to save his people. 
I love these next two verses. You've probably heard these many times. You've probably seen it printed on Christmas paintings or Christmas decorations. Isaiah says this in verses 6 and 7. He says, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And look at this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. No man, no nation, no king, no kingdom on earth will accomplish this. It will be God through the Son, Jesus Christ. That is how it will be accomplished. I want to go back to verse 6 because it talks about a child. It talks about a son. And I want you to see this correctly. The child born to us will also be the son given by God to us. Think about that for just a minute. The child born to us will be the child given to us by God. What does that mean? Well, this is an this is incredible prophecy. It's an incredible promise, but it's also an amazing statement of fact by God. I love how Dr. Tony Evans says it. He says it better than me. So let me borrow his words. Dr. Tony Evans says this tells us that Jesus had to be born as a child to come to us. It was God's plan. But he is also the pre-existent son of God who was given to us. The child would be born in our time and in our space called Bethlehem, but the son has always existed from eternity. Let me just tell you something. Jesus was not created. Jesus was the creator. That little baby was born in a manger, but that child has always existed in the form of a man, and his name is Jesus. In the form of God, God in flesh, Jesus. That's amazing to me, right? Yes, that little baby was born. Tonight, if you come to the Christmas festival this afternoon, you're going to see a live nativity out there. Our children's ministry is going to demonstrate a live nativity for us. Mary and Joseph and the wise men, the shepherds, all that good stuff. And you're going to see a little baby, Jesus, and that cute little baby, Jesus. And listen, babies are cute. Go back and look at all your photographs. The best ones are the ones with babies in them. And then they grow up and they become preteens and teens. And, and then, they, then they look like you and me. And we stop taking pictures, don't we? <laughs> we stop taking pictures when they get big. But man, we love to fill up the rolls with them little babies. Them little babies are so cute. But let me just tell you something. That, that little baby has always been. Yes, he was born in our time. And born into our space, this place we call Bethlehem, that, that manger scene, that stable. But Jesus has always been. Genesis 1 tells us that God gave us light through His voice. He spoke light unto the earth. But Isaiah 9 says that, that God gives us light in the form of Jesus. Flesh. 
And, and what that demonstrates is that demonstrates the full divinity of Jesus, but it also demonstrates the full humanity of Jesus. That this is the light of God born to us, but the light of God given to us. Isaiah says the light will become flesh. And what will happen? What will happen when the light becomes flesh? The Bible says the light will become flesh and will pour out eternal blessings to us. You're going, Brother Jeff, what are you talking about? Eternal blessings. Well, why did the light come in the first place? In Genesis chapter 1, it was God's presence upon the earth. In Isaiah chapter 9, it's still God's presence upon the earth. But guess what? It is for salvation. It is so that we might be saved. And so think about these eternal blessings. Isaiah uses titles. Titles for the great light that is coming. The great light that has dawned. He uses this title, Wonderful Counselor. Let me tell you something. No one can speak to you or me like Jesus can. Think about that for just a minute. No one can speak to you or me like Jesus can. He is the wonderful counselor. You need help? Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He is our mighty God. I love that. He is our mighty God. Listen to me. When you need power in your life, when you need authority in your life, it's not going to come from this organization or that organization. Power and authority comes from God. He is our mighty God, and that's who Jesus is, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God. He is our everlasting Father. Think about that for a minute. Everlasting Father. In this world that we live in, we we got men who turn their backs on their children, their babies all the time, leave them high and dry. We got got men who have fathered children, but they are no father to their children. Let me just tell you something. Jesus is our everlasting father. At no time ever will he ever, ever, ever turn his back on you. His light will always be available to you and always shine to you and for you. He is the everlasting father. Not only that, he is the prince of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. No one can give us peace that makes us right with God other than Jesus. I'm going to tell you something else. You can't have peace with one another without Jesus. Lasting peace, true peace, it's not possible apart from Jesus. It is who He is. He is our wonderful counselor our mighty God, our everlasting Father. He is our Prince of Peace. You know who Jesus is? He is God's marvelous and wonderful light. He is the light of the world. I love this Genesis chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 9 coming together. Let me tell you what this is. This prophecy, this this promise... This statement of fact, if you will, that is found in Isaiah chapter 9, I believe it's summed up best with these words. God is with us. A light has dawned. How many of you have ever been in a place where you felt all alone? You ever been there before? Anybody ever been there? Where you felt like there was nobody 
and nothing. It was just you and just void. Maybe just you and darkness. I preached at Celebrate Recovery this past week, and I told them there's a difference in being alone and being lonely. There's a big difference in being alone and being lonely. See, Jesus, many, many times, he, he, he broke away from his disciples. He broke away from the crowds, and guess where he went? A lot of times it tells you he went to a mountainside, right, to be where? Alone with his Father. Alone in prayer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that other, that other side, right? Lonely. You ever been lonely before? You know where loneliness comes from? You know what loneliness is the result of? Sin. It is. Loneliness is just another result of sin, of sinfulness. And God didn't create you. He didn't create you for loneliness. He created you for companionship. He did. I'm not talking about marriage, okay? You might be going, oh, well, yeah, man, woman brought them together. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. God created you in His image, and He put His lips on your nostrils. He breathed life into you so that you could be in relationship with Him. You were created for relationship. You weren't created for loneliness. You know what separates you from God? You know what the Bible says? Romans chapter 3? It says we are sinners, right? For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that we were separated from God, right? That the penalty, the wages of sin is what? Death. That means separated from God. So like I said... Loneliness is actually a result of sin and sinfulness. You need God. You need God. I'm going to tell you something. God wants you. God wants you. He wants you to be in relationship with Him. And here's the thing. There's nothing in your sinfulness, in my sinfulness, there is nothing we can do to be in right relationship with God I'm going to tell you, we would be eternally separated from God if He had not done something for us. His presence with us. Not because we deserved it or earned it, because, but it was because He wanted it. And so God sent His light into the world, His light, His wonderful light, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin, to rescue us from our sin, to redeem us from the penalty the the bondage, the captivity of sinfulness so that we could be in right relationship with Him. And here's the thing, when you're in right relationship with God, you can be in right relationship with one another. You can. You want to know why? Because you have a wonderful counselor. You have a mighty God. You have an everlasting Father. You have a Prince of Peace that makes it possible. You have everything you need in Jesus Christ. What, What an awesome Passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, especially when you pair it with Genesis chapter 1. God has been speaking light and sharing light from our very beginning. You want to know why? Because John said it in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, God is light. And what does God's light do? It penetrates the darkness. It penetrates, it dispels, if you will, the darkness. Why? 
Because God wants you and me to be in that loving relationship with Him. And God did everything. He did everything by sending us Jesus. So I want to ask you a question as we close. I want to ask you a question. Have you turned away from sin's darkness and walked into God's wonderful light? Have you turned away from sin's darkness and walked into God's wonderful light? And I say it this way. Let me, let me use the church words. Let me use the biblical words. Have you repented of your sin? That's, that's what that means. Turned, turned away from sin's darkness means I have heard the voice of God. I have heard His Spirit speak to me that I am a sinner. And as a repenter, right, as someone who repents, what I'm saying is not just I'm sorry, God. Oops, sorry. It's, God, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I have been walking in darkness, but I don't want to walk in this darkness anymore. So I'm turning from this darkness, and I see you, God. I see your light. And so I turn away from sin's darkness, and I walk into God's wonderful light, His marvelous light. How do I do that? Well, God is light. In Genesis 1, He spoke light into our existence, but in Isaiah chapter 9, He does what? He shares His light with us in the form of a man, and His name is Jesus. So have you repented of your sin and have you, have you turned from it? And have you come to God through His wonderful light who is Jesus Christ? If you haven't, you can. If you haven't, you can. You can do it today. You can repent of your sin and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the light of God, the Son of God, God in flesh. You can become a child of God right now. You can receive God's peace, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's joy. You can, re- you can receive all of that today. You can have all of that today. And your gloom and your distress can be dispelled. But you've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to trust in Jesus. I hadn't planned on sharing this passage, but, but I want to. And you don't have to turn there. I love Peter in the Bible. I identify a lot with Peter. Uh, Peter, Peter was bold at times, and sometimes he said things that he couldn't back up. You ever been there? I have. I felt a lot stronger sometimes than I really am. And I felt a lot more powerful, a lot more authoritative than I really am in and of myself. Peter failed the Lord. He was told he was going to fail. And he said, nope, not me. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, oh no, I'm going with you. I, I will even die with you, die for you. He said, no, no. Jesus said, no, you're going to deny me three times. And guess what? When Jesus says something, (laughs) it's going to happen just like he says it is. Because he is the word become flesh. And so Peter denied Jesus and he ran off. And I'm going to ask you a question. When Peter denied Jesus, what's the one word that we just need to go ahead and call that? Sin. That's exactly what he did. He sinned. He turned away from God and he walked in darkness. But guess what happened? 
Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose up from the grave, and he began walking on the shore, and there were some fishermen out in the sea. Do you know who one of those fishermen was? A guy named Peter. And Jesus said, why don't y'all come up here and eat with me? And they came up here and ate with him, and Jesus had a fire lit for them. You think that's a coincidence? I don't. Jesus was sharing light with Peter. He was calling them out of that darkness that he turned and walked in, back into the light. And then Peter coined these incredible words by way of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's who you are. Now listen to why you are. You are God's chosen people, God's royal priesthood, God's holy nation, God's special possession. Why? So that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of your darkness and into His wonderful light. If anybody can talk about being called out of darkness and into light, it's Peter. Right? He can identify. He has a right to share that. And so he says, here's who you are. You are God's chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, special possession. And here's why you are that. So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He goes on in verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me tell you something. God wants you. He wants you. Don't take my word for it. Take the manger. Take the manger for it. If God didn't want you, then why did Jesus come in the form of a baby? Why, why, why was a, a child born and a son given if God didn't want you? And the Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You say, well, Brother Jeff, he, he may have wanted me, you know, when I was a little baby, when I was a kid. But, but you don't know me now. You, you don't know my life now. I, I'm pretty bad. I'm pretty dirty. I'm pretty filthy. I've done some things and said some things. And uh, no, God don't want me now. Well, you had not read Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Have you? Because you know what Romans 5, chapter 8 says? God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I, I don't care what you are, where you are, what you've done, what you've said, God wants you. God wants you so much that he's given light to you and for you so that you can come out of that darkness and be who he created you to be Give him praise. Give him praise. Yes, with your mouth. Yes, with your hands. But with your life. That's who you are and that's why you are. That's two of the most important things you can ever know in this life. Who you are and why you are. There's people walking all over this earth trying to figure out who they are. Trying to figure out why they are. What purpose do I have? Peter tells us right there. Have you turned from the darkness, to 
into his wonderful light? Have you repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus? Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's it. God has given us his wonderful light. Are you walking in it? Are you reflecting that light to the world?